0: I don't know about you, but one of my favorite parts of Christmas is all the special treats that we have this time of year, right? And uh, whether you're talking gingerbread houses or the Christmas cookies, or I'm sure uh, you and your families have your special Christmas traditions, and my wife yesterday made some great cinnamon rolls that we looked forward to, and uh, it's just, there's so many fun traditions at Christmas time, and, and many of them revolve around food. One of my uh, favorite Christmas traditions and one of my favorite Christmas treats all throughout my lifetime has always been the candy cane. How many of you like candy canes here this morning? Yeah, I mean they're great, right? And we we usually only get candy canes at Christmas time. I'm I'm going to give you a little hint though. If you go to Walmart next week, you can get all the candy canes you want <laughs> for like 50 cents a box, all right? But uh I love candy canes and It's interesting. Have you ever heard about where the candy cane comes from? Do you know the history behind the candy cane? It's a really fascinating story. One of the old traditions says that the candy cane was invented in the 17th century in Cologne, Germany. And you want to know why the candy cane was originally invented? the choir master at the cathedral in Cologne, Germany, was looking for a way to keep the children of his church quiet during the Christmas Eve service. I mean, I can't imagine that. I mean, you know, kids never make noise during church, right? But he was looking for a way to keep the kids quiet during the Christmas Eve service, so he went to the local candy maker in town, and he said, hey, could you make some sugar sticks that the kids could suck on during church just to kind of keep them quiet while, while the choir is singing and the, show, and the performance is happening. The candy maker, he thought that this was a good idea, but he wanted to do more than just create a pacifier for the kids. So he decided, I'm going to make a candy that has a special meaning. A, a special meaning that will actually help the kids understand the true message of Christmas. And, and that's where the candy king come comes from. It was developed as a tool to help us understand what Christmas is all about. Did you know that? It's really a fascinating story when you think about the meaning behind the candy cane. You know, we typically hold the candy cane like this, but I want you to notice something. If you turn the candy cane upside down, maybe it's that way for you guys. If you turn the candy cane upside down, what letter is that shape? It's a J, right? And the candy maker made the candy cane in the shape of a J because he wanted us to remember, first and foremost, that Christmas is all about who? Jesus. Jesus Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is the whole reason behind Christmas. And, And so he made the candy cane in the shape of a J so that we could remember that Jesus is what Christmas is all about. Do you guys know that God had promised that He was going to send a Messiah into the world thousands of years before the very first Christmas. God had prophesied in the Bible through many prophets in the Old Testament that a Messiah was coming. And Jesus ultimately came as that promised Messiah. But, But the term Messiah, do you know what that term means? The word Messiah means Savior. God had promised the world that He was going to send a Savior. And why would we need a Savior? Well, we needed a Savior because we had a problem. A very serious problem. You know, the last couple of years, we've learned a lot about the reality of pandemics. We've been dealing with this virus known as the coronavirus and COVID-19. And, you know, people are scared of getting sick. And, and it's been a serious thing. But you know, there was a more serious pandemic than that all the way back at the beginning of the world. There was a more serious sickness. It was a sickness called sin. It's a spiritual disease that came into the world when the first man and woman that God created rebelled against Him. See, the first man and woman that God created were named Adam and Eve, and God gave Adam and Eve a choice. He put them in a perfect creation. But in that perfect creation, he said, you can do anything you want. You can enjoy everything I've made. But there's one tree that you're not supposed to eat from. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, if you eat of that tree, your eyes will be opened. And and he said, this is your choice. Paradise. And to follow my will or to eat and rebel against what I've decreed. Well, Adam and Eve, they made the wrong choice. They chose to rebel against God. They chose to eat from that tree. And when they chose against God's will, sin came into the world. That very first pandemic, that original sickness, that original sickness from which every other illness, every other disease, all death, comes from. It was from our choice to choose against God and rebel against God. And so God had to send the world a Messiah, a Savior. To remedy our sin sickness. What was this Messiah going to be like? One of God's prophets in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus came. He shared some interesting words with us about what this Messiah was going to be like in Isaiah 9, 6. He said to us, a child is going to be born. In other words, the Messiah was going to come like one of us. He he was going to come humbly, like a a little child. We should be watching for for the arrival of a a special baby. And then Isaiah told us that this child who would be born would actually be a son who was given. In other words, this wasn't going to be just any ordinary child, but this was going to be God's own son given to the world. The prophet Isaiah goes on and he says that the government shall be upon his shoulders. In other words, this Messiah coming was going to be the king of kings and lord of lords. He was going to be the authority above all authorities. Isaiah goes on and he says his name is going to be called Wonderful Counselor. What does a counselor do? A counselor gives us guidance. A counselor helps us make right decisions. And this Counselor, this Messiah, was going to be our wonderful Counselor. He would be our mighty God, Isaiah says. Not just any normal man, but the Son of God, God Himself coming into the world. His name would be Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. How many of you would like peace in your life today? The Bible calls Jesus the Prince of Peace. In other words, if you know Jesus, you can know true peace. That's the Messiah that God promised us. That's why the candy cane was made into the shape of a J to remind us of who Jesus is. Now, if you look at your candy canes, you'll notice that the candy cane has red stripes. Now, why does the candy cane have red stripes? The red stripes were placed on the candy cane to remind us that Jesus shed His blood for us on the cross as the way of forgiving us of our sins. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, the Apostle Paul tells us that all of us have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. God is holy. He is perfect. He has no sin. And yet each and every one of us, just like the original man and woman, Adam and Eve, not only are we born into a sinful world, but every single one of us, we also make choices against God's will. Choices where we rebel against God. Choices where we damage our relationship with God because we choose to do life our way instead of following His will and His plans for our lives. That, that's what sin is. Sin is simply rebelling against God. And the Messiah, Jesus, came into the world to forgive us of our sins. How was He going to do that? Well, for hundreds and thousands of years before Jesus... People all over the world understood that there was something wrong with them. They felt a sense of guilt. They felt a sense of shame. And and so it's interesting when you study the history of religion all around the world. Every religion in, in history has made sacrifices, offerings, trying to somehow reconcile themselves with God. Trying to make their lives right with God. Some people would offer the fruits of their labor. Some people would offer lambs and goats and birds as offerings. Some religions even did human offerings. But they gave these offerings because they knew that there was something wrong. They needed to make right between them and God. But the Bible says that God sent His Son Jesus to be the once and for all time sacrifice. The perfect offering. Jesus came and He shed His blood for our sins. To forgive us of our sins. He knew that there was no offering we could give. There was not enough we could do on our own to make our lives right with God. And so the red stripes remind us that Jesus went to the cross. And He shed His blood as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Romans 6.23 says that the penalty for our sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. How does that happen? It happens through Jesus' death on the cross. He died, He shed His blood so that we could be covered. So that God no longer sees our sin, but He sees the blood of Jesus that covers our sins. How many of you kids here like to play with markers? You guys like doing art and playing with markers? My kids have always enjoyed playing with markers. In fact, my daughter Addie, even yesterday, got some special new markers for Christmas. She likes to do art. But you know what? If you're like me, every time I've ever played with markers or drawn with markers, I always end up with marks on my hands. Does that ever happen to you? Like the marker gets all over you. And and what happens when the marker gets on your hand? It stays there, doesn't it? Like you can't go to the sink and just wash it off. It's like it's stuck on your hand for days. Eventually the marker will come off, but I want you to think about this. Sin. Our choices to rebel against God. Sin is like a marker stain on our soul that never goes away. It's permanent. And that's our problem. is we've been stained by our rebellion against God. And the only thing we can do is somehow cover up that stain. And that's what Jesus came to do for us. That's why the red blood of Jesus is so important. Because Jesus shed His blood to cover that stain. To cover the stain of our sin and our rebellion. So God doesn't see the stain of sin on our souls. He sees the blood of Jesus now. That covers my sin. That covers my rebellion. And it's that blood of Jesus that allows me to come back into a right relationship with my Creator God. That's why it's so important that we understand the red of the candy cane, the blood of Jesus. The candy cane, though, is also interesting because it has white stripes, too. And the white stripes, I love the white stripes, because the white stripes represent our purity in Jesus Christ. The white stripes represent our forgiveness in Jesus Christ. There's an awesome verse in the Bible. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18 says, "...though your sins are like scarlet..." they will be washed white as snow. Isn't that an awesome image? No matter how much you've sinned against God, no matter how much you've rebelled against God, no matter how dark the stains on your soul are, the prophet Isaiah tells us through Jesus and through His shed blood, we can be washed white as snow. See, Jesus tells us that when we put our trust in Him, and when we trust in the free gift that He gave us by dying on the cross, that He will make us white as snow. And that's what allows us to come back into a right relationship with our holy God. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and He will forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's the great promise of Christmas. As Christians, we call that promise the gospel. The word gospel means good news. And the good news is that God has made a way for us to be cleansed, to, wash, to be washed white as snow through the blood of Jesus Christ. Fourthly, this morning, I want to point out to you something interesting about the candy cane. It's not a soft candy, is it? It's a hard candy. Why is it a hard candy? It's a hard candy because the candy maker wanted us to remember that Jesus is our rock. Jesus is no soft pansy. No, he is our rock. He is strong. He is stable. We can count on Jesus. One of my favorite verses or passages in the Bible is a teaching Jesus shared with us in Matthew chapter 7. He says this He says, Everyone who hears my words and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. When the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat on that house, it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat against that house, and the house that was built on the sand fell with a great crash because it didn't have a strong foundation. Every spring I get to go teach out on the Pacific Northwest on the coast of Oregon. And it's really amazing. If you ever go to the Oregon coast, the, the beaches there are just massive. I mean, huge beaches. We're talking like hundreds of miles, or not hundreds of miles, hundreds of yards wide from where the waves wash up to where the cliffs and the woods begin. I mean, just huge beaches. Now you would think with all of that beachfront property, people would be building all kinds of houses and cabins right there down on the beach. But no. The the beach is just all sand. Hundreds of yards. And the houses don't start until you get to the cliffs. Until you get to the rocks. And why is that? It's because people understand that if you build your house on the sand... When the waves wash up on shore, when the rains come, when the winds blow, a house built on sand will easily wash away. But guess what? All those houses that are built up on the cliffs, up on the rocks, it doesn't matter how hard the waves crash against the shore. It doesn't matter how hard the wind and rains blow and fall. Those houses built on the rock, they stand firm. Some of them have been there for hundreds of years, firm and secure. And you know what? It's the same way with our lives when we build our lives on the teachings of Jesus. Jesus tells us that His teaching, His truth is a rock. And we can build our lives on the truth of Jesus. And we can live firm and secure in the Word of God. And no matter what happens in your life, no matter how hard the the wind and the waves blow, no matter how hard they crash against you, I promise you, friends, a life built on the teachings of Jesus is a life that will always stand firm and secure. Lastly this morning, or actually, I'm sorry, two more points this morning. When you hold the candy cane up this way, the candy cane held right side up is in the shape of a shepherd's staff. And the candy cane is shaped like a shepherd's staff because the candy cane maker wanted us to remember that the Lord is our shepherd. Jesus is our great shepherd. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is Psalm 23. King David says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. See, King David understood that the Lord is our shepherd. He's a good shepherd. He's a faithful shepherd. He's a shepherd who promises to never leave us or forsake us. The the shepherd's only job, their only job is to care for the sheep. To take care of them, to protect them, to provide for them. And it's no mistake that God uses the term of shepherding as His primary reference to who He is in regards in relation to our lives. He is our shepherd. You can trust Him to lead you, to guide you, to care for you, to provide for you, and to never leave you or forsake you. That's the promise we have in Jesus. And then lastly this morning, probably the best part of the candy cane. When you open up the candy cane. Hmm. It tastes so sweet, doesn't it? The candy cane tastes sweet because the candy maker wants us to remember the sweetness of Jesus. Friends, knowing Jesus, there's nothing sweeter than that. King David in Psalm 34, 8, he says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Friends, I want to promise you, Christmas might be over, but there is nothing sweeter in this world than knowing Jesus as your personal friend. There's nothing sweeter in this world than walking in a relationship with Jesus, knowing Him as your Savior, trusting Him as your rock, following His lead as your good and faithful shepherd. I tell you what, there's nothing better than that. Friends, my prayer for you, my greatest hope for each of you is that you know Jesus Christ. And not just know about Him intellectually, but, but David says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Why does he say taste? Because taste is an experience. You can experience the sweetness of Jesus if you trust in Him. But you know what? You've got to take that step. You've got to submit your lives to Him. You've got to ask Him to come and be a part of your life. And He will do that. He will come and He will become your best friend. He will forgive you of your sins. He will wash you white as snow. And you too can know the sweetness of life with Jesus. I promise you there's nothing better. Let me close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank You so much for sending Your Son, Jesus, into this world. And Jesus, You truly are so sweet. Christmas is a great reminder of, of, of Your amazing love for us. That You were not content to leave us wandering in our rebellion and lost in our sin, stained by the marks of our sin, but, but You sent the Messiah, the Savior, to come to die on a cross to forgive us so that we could be covered and cleansed white as snow. We thank You for doing that for us, Jesus. We thank You that You are the rock that we can build our lives on, a sure and steady foundation. We thank You that You are our good and faithful shepherd who never leaves us or forsakes us, but cares for us every day of our lives. And we thank You, Jesus, that You are so sweet. Lord, I pray if there's somebody here this morning who's never put their trust in You, who's never tasted the sweetness of Jesus and and the sweetness of knowing You as their personal friend, I pray that even here this morning, even right now, in the quiet of their heart, they might just say a simple prayer. Something like, Lord Jesus, I want You to be my Savior. I want You to be my Good Shepherd. I want You to be the rock of my life. Please forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all of my unrighteousness. Wash me white as snow this morning so that I can know the the joy of living with You, my Savior, my Lord, my King. Friends, I promise if you pray that prayer, you too can know the sweetness of forgiveness, the sweetness of new life, the sweetness of knowing Jesus as your best friend. Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. We thank you for this great Christmas we've had. We pray this in your name. Amen. Would you please stand with
1: us as we close this morning?
0: friends, I want to thank you again for joining us this morning. We have a special treat for you as you exit today. Everybody is going to be given a candy cane uh, by our ushers as you exit the sanctuary this morning. So I hope that that's a special treat for you and I hope you remember what it really means and what it symbolizes. The good news of Christmas, the good news of Jesus Christ. Friends, I want to close with this parting benediction from the book of Galatians chapter 1. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you and Merry Christmas. Hi everybody, Pastor Jason here. And I want to thank you for joining us for our online worship service this morning. I pray it's been a blessing to you. I want to encourage you now to visit our church.